This is the City Sites Podcast with Larry Kutzler. When we think about the evolution of cities, they've clearly changed and developed their roles at different periods in history. In the past, we thought a successful city was a city that had lots of office jobs in the center, lots of suburban housing on the fringes, and had a nice set of facilities, services, and public space. And of course, all of those things remain important. But the impact of digitization, of decarbonization, and of population growth, when trying to produce cities that are cleaner, greener, and more compact, Cities are becoming places where transitions to new platforms and new technologies are occurring. One of the unexpected impacts of the use of digital platforms in the way people work, the way they consume, and the way they travel, of course, is that our cities are starting to feel a bit different. You'll see many more delivery vans in the middle of the day, trains and buses that are less full than they used to be. Offices are reinventing themselves so that they become places of fun and creativity. So when we talk about agile land uses, we mean that there's a new mixed use approach in the way that land and buildings are used within our cities. So our city centers will not simply be office districts, they'll be multi-purpose experience districts. Our suburbs will not just be places to live, but they'll also be places where we work, where we consume, where we have a high quality of amenities and experiences, so that as population comes back to cities, we will see people living in a broader range of places, doing their jobs with a new mix of technology and face-to-face, -face, consuming in different ways, and traveling using different modes or perhaps less frequently. So there's no exodus from the city. There's rather the city taking a new shape and a new form. Truth is under attack, and opinion is winning the war. Opinions are now the new truth, and we honor whatever is said. However, God's Word is the only truth that's real. Opinions come and go, but God's Word remains with us forever. Thanks for joining us. It is true, our cities are changing. Everywhere you look, this trend of residential complexes along with entertainment and restaurants all in the same complex is a new trend in living opportunities. In one suburb, for example, they are building a hotel with apartments, a high-end grocery store, all right in the middle of the shopping mall. Things are changing. With more people working from home, downtown buildings are empty, and landlords are having to get creative in what they do with all the empty space. Our society is evolving into a new world of density, new working spaces along with lifestyles of travel and experience. So, with all the changes we are seeing, how do we do ministry in a changing world? Are the churches in the urban communities thinking about these changes and how will it impact what they do in their communities? Well, today I sit down with an urban pastor and talk about urban ministry. We will be doing a series of podcasts on the urban community, and my guest is Pastor Walt McFadden from City View Church in urban South Minneapolis. Pastor Walt, it's nice to see you again in the studio. 
We're going to talk about urban ministry. Now, that's an interesting topic, but how do you define it? How would you define urban ministry? What is it? That's a very good question. The church I was at previously, the pastor didn't like the word inner city because he thought, well, that has a different context than what we're trying to do. Usually inner city, you think of crime and drugs and that kind of thing. So he liked the term urban so urban just had to me has to do with what we think of as a metropolitan area and the core and the center here we're in the twin cities we have minneapolis and st paul the twin cities growing up i saw this team the twins and i always thought it was named after some twins i never <laughs> knew geographically wow. and then i moved to minneapolis and all of a sudden because i'm a little slow i realized oh the twin cities the twins but we have even with those together, we have a core, we have a center, and the city has been around forever since Nimrod built cities and began with the Tower of Babel. It's always a place where you have commerce, you have fashion, government is in the city. So it's all of those things together, but it, to me, is a place. It's a location. Well, outstate, which is outside of the metropolitan, the seven-county metropolitan area, it's different. I mean, it's just different. It doesn't have the multiple cultures. People are more alike one another than they aren't. And here in an urban community, you've got people from all over the world living next door to you. And so you got automatically cultural differences, which makes it unique, right? Exactly. And that's one of the things that I want to highlight in this series is how rapidly things change in the city. I've been in the city over 30 years now. I, well, I came in 1984. We're now in 2022. It's hard to believe that you don't know, have that much, but living in the city for 38 years, that includes my time in Bible college, four years when I got married out in Eden Prairie, but still ministering in the, in the inner city. But one of the things that was fascinating to me is the apartments across the street from the church where I started in ministry. The apartments were filled with white people, middle class, and then it was African-American, then it was African, mm -hmm. and then it was Hispanic, and then somebody bought the apartments 15 years ago or so and rehabbed them all and turned them into condominiums, and now they're back to white again, which we call gentrification. So you see constant change and you always have to be adapting and adjusting. And you have in major cities around the country issues like an African-American church in a now Hispanic community. Do you stay? Do you move? What are you supposed to do? You have white congregations, particularly older white congregations in multi-ethnic communities. Do you stay or do you go? In the Twin Cities, we've had scores of churches I was told when I first started ministry that 40 churches had left the Twin Cities. I'm sure it's in the hundreds now after all these years. And I think they're dying faster than ever. They're just, every time you turn around, there's a church closing. And even finding out, well, I didn't know there was a church there or that building was used for a church. But there's so much rapid change happening in, in the church. And, and so many people don't go to church anymore. But the urban center is vital to the health of the church in the future in America. Well, I would agree with that. I put down a couple of bullet points, and, and I'll read through them, and then you can comment. But it fits right in with what you're saying, that's constantly moving in the urban community. And here are some of the reasons. 
It's a multicultural group. There are space restrictions, poverty and homelessness, mental illness is on our streets, drug addictions on our streets, crime are on our streets, density issues. I mean, we're just filling, you know, these blocks and blocks with big old apartment buildings and, and I don't know where people are coming from, but it's a density issue. Policing issues, politics are crazy. And then you've got, on top of that, city regulations that are nuts. And so you have all of this together in an urban community that's shifting here and there. And it's hard to pastor a church because you've got a congregation of all kinds of cultures and backgrounds. Exactly. Just take, for example, the transportation issue. Most of the major cities around the country are trying to go green. You still have a geographical boundary. These are the city limits of Minneapolis, and they're not going to grow. So whoever comes in is being forced into low-rise, high-rise. We're going to be like Detroit because every time a city moves up, builds up, it's the end. You just, you're just you packed in so tight. And I thought about that, that. A lot of major cities have built up. They put people up in high-rises. They get them out of vehicles. That's the goal is to get everybody out of vehicles. The problem in our city is you want everybody out of vehicles and on the trains, but you don't have enough police to watch the trains and so then it makes the city undesirable and immediately after the riots of 2019 scores of people moved out of the city i went to what we might term a bedroom community a town about 45 minutes away from the cities and i was out there to look at some something and i talked to some guy and he said there's only one house for sale in the entire city of 15,000 people because so many people from the Twin Cities moved out. We also have the fact that people can work from home. So I was talking with the pastor yesterday. So we lost key families just in the last year because they don't have to go back to work after the pandemic. And they're saying, we don't want to raise our kids in here. We don't want them on the trains and we don't want them packed together all tight. We need a, a yard. So it's just so, so many dynamics, but they're changing faster than I've ever seen before. And isn't that what the Bible talks about, where Daniel says, knowledge is going to increase. We're just going to get more and more and more knowledge. We're not really going to get any wiser, but we're going to get more knowledge. And it's the same way with social media, internet, the whole, the globalization. All of that together is just making um, ministry more and more complex. But I think there are wonderful opportunities for the church now as well. Well, coming back to people moving out, Minneapolis now is the ninth city in, in America that's losing people. We're, we're rated number nine. I think New York is number one and California is number two, but we're ninth where people are moving. And a lot of it has to do because the urban community has become unlivable for some people, especially for crime. So here you are, Pastor Walt McFadden, down in the middle of the heart of South Minneapolis. I mean, you can't get any more urban than where you are. So what makes you stay? You've got all these, these elements going against you. You can't grow in terms of building. You're space restricted, right? I mean, and that's probably one of the reasons some churches move out, because they can build. You can't build anything in Minneapolis. You're stuck with the space you have. Yeah, it's absolutely true. I remember 25 years ago, a large African-American church waited for 10 years to build on a piece of property that they were they were they knew it was going to come up for sale and they got outbid by the city for low-income housing and so they had to move to another part of the city they just couldn't find a location where they could fit anymore 
So that's one of the complexities. What keeps me here is simply God. And we are, we're good at the church of making heroes out of people. Uh, but we have to realize that ministry is very, very difficult. And we may idolize people like George Mueller, for example. You can't tell me that guy didn't wake, every, wake up every day and think, I want out of here. I want a different ministry. I don't want to work in an orphanage. But that's how I feel. Every day, my wife and I talk about the neighborhood in the community. We love our neighbors. We love our house. The city just makes it so difficult to live here. So I would say, Probably the first point is don't go if you're not called. If you're not called, you're not going to survive. Yeah, you're right. And in fact, I'm going to start calling you rather than Pastor Walt. I'm going to start calling you Pastor Jonah because I think you're kind of like a Jonah, right? I don't know if you came kicking and screaming into the ministry, but you definitely came and stayed. And I want to get into Jonah in just a second because I think there's some lessons there for us to learn about urban ministry. But I think people, I want you to comment on this. This is a statement. I want you to say if it's right or wrong. I think people in general, I don't care what color you are, what culture you come from, but people all have human needs. They want significance. They want honor and respect. And I think if you can give that to some people or all people, I think you'll have an inroad into their lives, right or wrong. Absolutely. Everybody wants community. Uh, There's people everywhere that move out, but we all have our, I should say, there there are people everywhere that want to isolate. They want to live in a trailer in the middle of the woods. That's fine, but that's the exception. The rule is most people want community, and the church can do that better than any other organization. But I think every one of those things that you mentioned are human needs that every human being desires. Everybody wants to make enough money to be comfortable Everybody wants to have safety, security. They want to have a good job. They want to have a little bit of leisure, time, and fun. People are the same. Well, and I think that's where, you know, you can bridge those cultural gaps simply by appealing to their human need. So Nineveh was about 120,000 plus. You know, of course, we're going back quite a few years. I don't think they had data on populations, but they assessed that it was about 120,000. And here's where Jonah had to go in and give them a message. And the message was 40 days and you're going to be overthrown. And that's not a popular message. And I can see why Jonah goes, whoa, that's like going down in, uh, well, South Minneapolis or North Minneapolis somewhere where you're probably not part of their culture or a culture, and you're telling a different culture, God's going to destroy you. Not an easy message, right? No, not at all. The main part is you're a foreigner, and so you stand out. Your skin color is probably different, and people are thinking right off. They're skeptical. Is he a spy? Is he a lunatic? Maybe some people ignore him. Some people see him as a threat, but somehow the word got back to the king. So that's a big deal. So he, out of 120,000 people, he must have made a really big stink. He must have really caused, drew some attention to himself. And the Assyrians, what a group. If anybody has an opportunity, there's videos all over the internet. You could just do a quick Google about the Assyrians. They are about the toughest in history. They loved to take people out. They would take some captives from a city that they were trying to conquer, and they would take people out and impale them and line them up around the city. 
and they would just do really gruesome things. PG-13 warning, and they would just open people up, so you know, slice them open and, and take their skin off and behead them. And they were just ruthless. And they're probably, you know, in the top three or four most ruthless in history. They really have a reputation. And this is the people that Jonah is sent to to meet. Some ancient cities are well built, but again, it's the main part of the city is is a walled fortress and everybody's supposed to go in there if there's war. So you can imagine the filth, the the lack of clean water, the squalor, the shacks, the temporary housing that's put up all around. In our world, in America, it's different because we have the best parts are outside of the city, so we think, and the worst part is in the city. And that's not the case in the in the ancient world and most places around the world the center of the city is where the rich people live and everybody else just kind of fans out from there that's very true and and yet we are seeing under gentrification that's happening right more of the center of the city the downtown area and just surrounding is becoming more suburban if we want to use that term i call you pastor jonah pastor wald because your message is not easy I don't think you're an easy preacher. Not that you don't have a good message, but it's not pablum. It's not an easy, well, we'll just kind of be peaceable and all of that. You preach the word a lot like Jonah did. And here's something interesting. The director of the Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge in Brainerd, he's got a really nice program up there. He said, the harder you preach to these ex-addicts, the better they like it. I don't know what that is. But in church life, sometimes we want pablum. Oh, be nice to me, pastor. You know, tell me how much God loves me. But that wasn't Jonah's message. It wasn't your message. And maybe our message needs to change. Yeah, we have over a million immigrants that, that are living in the Twin Cities now. So one out of every three residents. And some of these people come from places like South and Central America. And that is not their culture. Their culture is not soft, easy pablum. They're looking for truth. And so there's always going to be that element in the church, and it sort of mystifies me. You know, why why do you want to avoid the hard subjects and topics? But Christianity is, I think it's a good thing. We're definitely in a post-Christian. It's almost to me like a post-post-Christian. We've kind of gone through this 30 years of being a post-Christian, and now we're just gone. We're just so far gone, and, and it's it can be very discouraging. What it does is it gives Christianity an opportunity to contrast more. So here's the subject of marriage is very easy. You know, it's been a hot topic in our culture for a long time. For us to say, this is marriage, not that. It used to be like everybody's married, um, the majority now I think only 60% of our culture of adults is married. And we have a lot of young people, and they want to know, what is marriage if I get married? And they're not looking for fluff. They want reality. They want truth. We can be in more bold colors now. We can stand out more. And we say, this is, this is what we're for. This is what Christianity did when it came into the urban areas, when it began to spread the gospel, and it came to cities like Ephesus and Corinth and Rome. It really stood out. There was a big difference between the culture and Christians and how they were living. They really changed the cultural mores of the time. One example that I always like to highlight is there wasn't even a word for humility in the Greek and Paul invented the word for humility in the Bible. Agape, it was a very rarely used word. 
But Christianity took words like that and concepts and ideas, and they lived it out. And it was so such a contrast. It was living in those bold colors. I love church history teaches us some of the things that Christians would do. They would walk the alleys in the early mornings, listening for the cries of infants that had been aborted and thrown out and adopt them. And then people really understood what adoption in Christ means. So they were just living it out. And it's had such a contrast. And the Roman Empire didn't just roll over and say, oh, yeah, let's let these Christians change everything. They're not going to like it. We're going to get some pushback. But that's where you need to be confident. You need to be bold. You need to be brave. You need to speak the truth. There's just not room for the fluff anymore. Well, somebody has said that we have now become, as you said, the post-Christian era, and we've gone back to where the era of the Apostle Paul, the era he, he faced, the kinds of cities and philosophies that he faced. We're facing the same thing now. But Christianity, Pastor Walt, works best in contrasts. It seems that no matter where Christianity went in the Roman Empire, it shattered you know, all the stigmas, and slowly it grew to become the religion of the empire. I mean, that's just crazy. Now, there's arguments that it probably didn't <laughs> do anybody any good under Constantine, but the point was that it went from such a little, fledgering group of people in Antioch to the entire Roman Empire. And really, Christianity has done that in our world as well. But here's the thing, Pastor Walt, and I want to encourage you as a Jonah in the city, Christianity is dangerous, not because we're dangerous people, but the ideas of Christ are dangerous because the culture can't stand it. It doesn't relate to what Jesus said. And that's what you're doing. You're preaching a dangerous message of Christ. Yeah, that's a good word. It is. What I always say is you can't have Jesus and. Jesus is exclusive. You can't have Jesus and your unsaved boyfriend. You can't have Jesus and your the money that you got cheating on your taxes. You can't have Jesus and. It's got to be Jesus only. And that's a radical message. But Jesus never disappoints. He can fulfill that. He can be everything to us. That's what the church needs is to get get out of this nonsense of the prosperity gospel and the health and wealth and all of those kinds of things, because that is not where people are at. That's not reality. And I was just going to mention this in my sermon coming up on Sunday. I just, it mystifies me that people continue to go to these kind of churches and they never get rich and they're never healthy and they're never free of trials. I guess they want to escape from reality, but Jesus faced reality. And the reality was there are sick people. There are people in trials. There are poor people everywhere. And Jesus dove into that with things like healing people who are sick. And that's part of the church. Where's the power to heal? He talked about how God had chosen the poor to inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus never shied away from those difficult subjects and topics, and neither should we. Well, you know, Pastor Walt, when you and I were coming up in the church, deep, darkest areas of Africa were the mission field. It's no longer the mission field. You know where the mission field is? In our cities. And in Europe, I had just been, I just came back from Europe. I'm telling you, it's dark, but it's, but they're hungry. You could tell that there are in Europe people who are looking for something. And that's where Christianity spread, you know, into, from Macedonia into, into Europe and then over here. But our missionary field is now the cities of the world. It's not the dark jungles of wherever. It's in our cities. And we have got to learn how to do 
urban ministry effectively. What do you say? That's exactly right. And the biggest thing is the church has to switch from a church attendance, church growth model to a discipleship model. They have to switch from a build our church to build the kingdom model. Yesterday when I was with this group of pastors from the neighborhood praying, everybody's growing and everybody's finances are stronger. And we're all in different neighborhoods. In Minneapolis, like a lot of other cities, we have specific neighborhoods. So our church is in the central neighborhood, and then there's another church in Potterhorn and another one in Corcoran. And I thought, man, this is a picture of what the church should be. It shouldn't be this one big mega church and everybody else is struggling around and everybody goes there because they like the speaker. They should be in a church because we have a commitment to this community and we want to serve this community. We want to reach it. That's kingdom minded. So the sharing of resources, the fact that we're not in competition with one another. We prayed yesterday for other pastors, churches to grow so that they could stop. They didn't have to work outside of church anymore. We prayed for other churches that are struggling. It's good when other churches are being blessed and they're growing. So those are some of the things that that we'll talk about coming up in the podcast is just changing the whole mentality. You know, Pastor, while I attended a community meeting last night of the police and uh, HUD and a whole bunch of other city officials on a shooting we had in my neighborhood. A, A house got shot up, about 17 bullets going into this house. So we talked about it. And I realized, listening to everybody, there's no hope. There's no hope. Their hope is in the new police chief that they've got coming in. But not one ever mentioned that we need partnerships with the church. And that's critical. That's critical for the police and for, you know, the councilmen. They've totally left the church out. And they don't realize pastors are praying in their communities for health and growth because the more Christians or the more that the message of the gospel gets into their communities, that's where they're going to stop the gun violence. Absolutely. And most of my church lives in the neighborhood, at least lives in the Twin Cities. So we have a vested interest in it and we are going to get involved. One of the things that I talked about in last week's sermon is Jesus gave us the Great Commission, go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. And I said, we're doing the Jerusalem and the Judea. We're doing the uttermost parts of the earth through our world missions program. We're missing the Samaria. We're missing these different ethnic groups. And politics is mainly responsible for this. It's just dividing us all into different groups. But at the end of the day, it goes back to what you said earlier in the podcast. We all have the same desire and need. We want to live in a community where our kids are safe, where we can walk to the store and not get robbed, where we have community with one another, just like they do elsewhere. I'm reading a book called Urban Spirituality, and it's a woman who lives in Sydney, Australia, and she moved from the suburbs into Sydney. I've never been to Sydney, I don't know, but it sounds like they have the same kind of crime issues that we have. And she's talking about all the wonderful things of the city, of the community, and of the variety. And I think that young people want that. They want the diversity. And the church hasn't been good about that. The church has been skeptical. The church has been fearful. That's not the gospel. The gospel is we're fearless and we're brave and we're going to engage in wherever we're at. And we're going to think about our communities and make our communities better. 
Well, that's a key thought that we'll end on, Pastor Walt, that the young people want diversity, and our churches have to have diversity. You know, it has to show that Christ is for everyone, and we need everyone. So your church is City View Church in South Minneapolis. Tell us a little bit about what people can find, or what would they find if they walked in on Sunday morning? Well, they'll find an ethnically diverse church, not as diverse as we want to be, but we have a good representation of the community. We meet at 1030 on Sunday mornings on the corner of 4th Avenue South and 31st Street in South Minneapolis. Our website is cvcmpls.org. We are bringing a bold statement about Christ. He's our only hope to face the darkness in our day. Thanks for joining us for the City Sites Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Every Friday we bring you this podcast with interviews with people who are challenging the status quo of Christianity and challenging the cultural norms of our day. Please help us get the word out by sharing the link to this podcast with your online friends and family. Our website also contains other podcasters who are part of the City Sites network of communicators all sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our website is citysitesurbanmedia.com. This is the City Sites Podcast Network.